0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org.
2: And thanks. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow.
3: When we finally kiss good night, I'll be going out in the storm. But if you really From MPB Think
4: Radio, this is Deep South the Dining, and you are listening to the sweet sounds of the dearly departed Charlie Pride from Sledge, Mississippi. Uh, one of country music's greatest, uh, Carol. Are you a, a Charlie Pride fan by by chance?
5: I am a big Charlie Pride fan. Ever since I was um, a, a very young person, and I, I'm just so happy that I actually got to meet him. Oh wow! What a, what a great gentleman! Just just a few years ago.
4: Yeah, yeah what he a was a great at- gentleman actually a part of the um the ken burns uh country the great country music documentary that we had um earlier on um on MPB uh, i can't remember if it was 2020 or 20 uh 19 this year's been crazy
5: I know. <laughs> well it was released in uh in the fall of 2019 or there late summer go. 2019 but yeah you, know, you can still get it uh on i know on uh, on the MPB Oh, the television channel that 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 uh public radio has.
4: Yeah, if you go And also
5: you can buy it through like prime video and, and other Places
4: like that, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of uh, places. online dot because we did a big thing. We were, uh, teamed up with Marty Stewart, went around the uh, the state, and it was a, a big thing because like a lot of music's blues, uh, gospel, country. Mississippi is the birthplace of America's music. Malcolm, were you a big uh, Charlie Pride fan? Oh man, I love Charlie Pride. I remember
0: a few years back when we gave him the governor's award, and uh, I asked him if he wanted to perform and he said no not really i just want to come and be a part of the program so i brought my old guitar and slipped it backstage and uh, he got up there to 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 make his uh uh, uh, remarks and i handed him the guitar and of course he he sang a song but what what a great guy what a gentleman and a uh, an innovator you know an icon and what a great mississippians what a, a big loss to us all terrific fella
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. And um uh, Carol, you were searching for um a PBS passport. That's where you can go
5: PBS passport. If
4: you are uh, um, a a member of MPB, you can uh, you have that benefit, PBS passport where you can watch uh that country music documentary. Great.
0: So Carol, how was uh the past 7 days of uh of your eating life?
5: Well, Malcolm, it was pretty great. I mean, it's beautiful weather, uh, good fishing weather and also good good cooking weather uh, i'm really hoping some of our listeners will call in though and help me on my venison recipes that that i tried this week
0: oh yeah you struggling with uh, deer meat
5: yeah well I, I did some really good deer chili but um i, I had these venison medallions They're, yeah. they were thin
2: mm-hmm.
5: and Yeah, I I marinated them and sauteed them, and they were still tough. And so I know some of the hunters out there know how to help me with this, because there's going to be a lot more of it.
0: Yes, and of course, if Bobby Cleveland has his ears on, I know he can tune in. He has long had an award-winning recipe for that. Backstrap or that tenderloin, uh, of the, of, uh, venison. I'm not a, <clears throat> I'm not a, uh, accomplished, uh, chef of, of the deer meat, but I'm sure many of our listeners are, you know, I spent, uh, most of the last week and a half traveling back and forth to the coast as I am moving out of my beloved old house in Bay St. Louis and, and hauling a lot of my, uh, collection, my art, my memorabilia back and forth from the coast to Jackson and I've of course been stopping here and there to eat, had some great meals down on the coast. I've eaten a lot of crab meat, uh, and, and crab claws. I don't know that just seems to to be the theme. Uh, and you know, I also have been chasing after this Jesse's book of Creole and deep South recipes, uh, an old cookbook, uh, that was published, uh, in 19, I think it was 54. Uh, and it was a chef in Bay St. Louis, and he worked uh, for a family, uh, Edith Ballard Watts and John Watts. And his name was was Jesse Willis Lewis. And uh, Lemuria was able to find me uh, a copy of this this great book. But I the interesting thing is while I wasn't moving boxes uh, and hauling furniture, I, I poked around the cemeteries in Bay St. Louis, and I found Jesse's grave, and he's buried. Uh, right there on second street in Bay St. Louis. It was, it was a renowned chef. Um, uh, and, and, and if you're interested in old, old, uh, sort of, uh, deep South, uh, coastal Creole recipes, check out Jesse's book of Creole and deep South recipes. So I also want to shout out to Bill Ellison who helped me get hooked up with this new, uh, equipment that I've got here in my basement. I got a new microphone and, uh, and a new set so thanks to uh to Bill Ellison for hooking me up all right what let's see we got a caller is that right I think I saw a message we've got a caller I didn't see the name Carol did you see who it was
5: yes it's Kathleen from Osaka
0: oh Kathleen how are you my friend
2: well I I'm in need of a, a question and answer usually I try to call in with tips but this one's for Carol. Uh, my ears peaked up when she said a couple, uh, about last month that she used to own a, uh, a, like a, a store that sold, uh, equipment and gadgets and stuff like that for cooking. And, uh, someone a couple years back had given me a stove stone. Now I've never seen one since and everybody knows I've got cats. Well, one jumped up on the counter, skid, and that stone broke. And I don't know if that is even the right name for it. I was scared to put it in the oven because it looked like it had a plastic coating. So I didn't know if that was supposed to come off and out, but it was an excellent trivet. I could put the hottest pots, straighten the stove on there, and it was beautiful. But I don't know what it really is or where to get it or if I'm crazy. (laughs) Well, uh,
5: are you talking about a, a pizza stone? Either It's either a square stone or a a round stone that you actually put in your oven to
2: to slide the pizza on? Well, this was round, about 12 inches across, and it was cream colored with white little marbling through it, so I didn't know... If it, it didn't look like any piece of stone i have seen, was it a special stone or could I go dig one up out of the yard? <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea. I was getting creative there, but boy, I miss it.
5: Well, you know, I, I'm sorry. I don't have anywhere for you to go on, on that one. I mean, I've seen the stones that they bring, you know, sometimes at restaurants. It was a big thing some years ago, a hot stone that they would bring to your table and you could actually... Cook some things. You know, like thin pieces of meat, uh stuff like that on, on the stove. But sorry I can't help you on that.
2: Okay. Well if you've run across it, y'all shout out and thank y'all for everything.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, uh Kathleen take a photograph. Do you still have it or have you lost it?
2: I have the pieces. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, Take a photograph and just send it uh, to food at mpbonline.org and we'll take a look at it and try to get you some info back. We really appreciate your listening and calling in. It's always great to hear from Kathleen and Osyka, which I drove through Osyka the other day on my way to the coast. And I'll be straight up honest with you. I thought about you, Kathleen. So thanks a lot for your support. Carol, did you know that December has been designated as National Eggnog Months, I mean, did you know that?
5: Oh, Lord, Malcolm. I mean, you know, I think that uh, eggnog is the fruitcake of beverages. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord, I mean, you either love it or you or you hate it. Uh, Um, I'm a a homemade eggnog person, that's good. Our friend Kim Irby makes a wonderful eggnog, and every year. Uh, I I really enjoy getting some from her, but the the stuff you get in the grocery store that you shake up in the carton. Mm
0: -hmm. Hey, speaking of Kim Irby, she had a birthday last week. So this is a shout out. Happy birthday, Kim. And uh, we we appreciate you and we look forward to drinking your eggnog. Uh, You know, but when I was uh, reading about the eggnog, the thing I thought about was this thing we talked about last week on the show. And that's that orange flower water. You know, that, that oh, yeah. goes in a in a a milk punch that we used to make in New Orleans. But that was the first thing I thought about.
5: And I never really thought about eggnog as, as being a version of uh, milk punch till I saw Java's notes on it.
0: Right. Hey Java, did you share the news yet? I was I was off the air for a moment. Did you share the news from Popeyes yet, Java? No. Can't do it. Carol, you might remember what. What the news is? Yeah,
5: he's he's gonna come. He's gonna come in uh, with the news. I don't want to rob him of that opportunity. But I did want to tell you something else that I made this huh? week. For the first time, I made pork schnitzel. schnitzel. Have you ever done that? Some schnitzel. I
0: I have never made it, but I've eaten a lot of it. It's where you pound out the pork and sort of fry it.
5: Yeah, you take a, a boneless pork chop and. You know, you have flour, and then you have a, you know, milk and egg wash, and then breadcrumbs. And, you know, you dip it in those things, in with the breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. put it in the refrigerator for it to get, you know, for it to tighten up so you have that crunch mm-hmm. and, and fried. And they were delicious.
0: I went to Austria once upon a time, and I got a... Uh... A plate full of, of schnitzel. Man was it good. And they raise their own pigs and, you know, slaughter them and prepare them and the schnitzel there was outrageous.
5: Well, I bet that was I mean, that was like real schnitzel. This was like Heinz, West Heinz County Schnitzel. <laughs> well with, with pork chops.
0: <laughs> so Job, you got some breaking news for us.
4: Yeah, fresh off the uh, fresh off the wire, courtesy of um our uh MPB. Think radio uh, foodie Liz Gill, <laughs> she always has the, the hot news. Um, Popeyes is getting ready to launch. Uh, well, actually, today starting launching um, beignets. Uh, mm. You know oh, they're huh. famously New Orleans uh, based, but this uh, their their beignets <laughs> were tested in the Great Beignet <laughs> Market of Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say about I that.
5: I guess if they'll eat them in Boston, they'll eat them anywhere. That's so what
4: would a I was Bostonian taking,
0: yeah. know? I mean, what would a Bostonian know about uh, a beignet? <laughs> yeah,
5: maybe
4: they, a lot. I don't know.
5: They probably call them big nets.
4: <laughs> but it's going to be like a dessert. Well, I mean, it is a dessert, but they're going to uh, fill it with, uh, of course, Hershey's syrup. So I mean, Hershey's oh, chocolate. Boy. So it's going to be. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, to so say it's just a big that's big a mess. Over the top. <laughs> Well, we got Stafford right, uh, on, on the line, so we go ahead and go ahead and take our break.
0: All right, let's take a break. Uh, and when we return, we'll check in with one of our favorite correspondents, our Delta correspondents, Judge Stafford Sheridan, the judge. Always on the move, we'll catch up with him and his latest gas station food reviews. Also, we'll see what he's got planned for the very end of 2020. Later in the show, as we mentioned, we will talk Hanukkah delights with Dr. Marcy cohen Ferris. So stay tuned.
3: chance to meet some old friends on the street. They wonder how does a man get to
0: be this way? I've always got a smiling face. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. The segue there. Everybody the great, legendary Country Charlie Pride. He will be missed by many. He was indeed an icon Uh, in Mississippi and uh, all over the globe with that voice. But at this time, Carol, we're going to welcome back our roaming Delta gas station review friend, Stafford. Stafford, Judge, the judge. What's going on, Judge?
3: Good morning. Well, you know, what a a great intro there. I love uh, Charlie Pride. The song Roll On Mississippi is like the theme of my childhood. And so uh I never thought I'd be on the radio introduced with Charlie Pride music in the background. That's pretty cool.
0: That's a beautiful thing. And um uh, I know what a great what a great loss uh Charlie is to all. He was so accessible. Uh he was always giving, loving, kind, thoughtful, and what a monster voice. What a great, great uh artist he was, and he will always be remembered uh, for that. So what you been doing lately? You have been roaming around eating gas station food or, or what?
3: I have been, and um, we, I'm, I just filmed number 70 for the year, wow. if you can believe that. Yeah, so we've done 70, and um, the 69 actually posted it today, and then 70 will come out probably next week or end of this week, and then after Christmas we're going to do a, like a best of for the year, and I'm going to give my top favorites, and uh, that's going to come out. Probably around the twenty seventh on uh, YouTube on our YouTube channel.
0: Wow, that is terrific. So, you, besides roaming around and uh, eating gas station food, you, you've kind of fallen into another arena here with Mississippi produced products, right?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I love. I, I guess I'm. Just, I just love Miss. I love our state. You know, I, I've always felt like our state gets a bad rap. No pun intended. But um, you know, there's so many great things. It's not just you know, not just our gas station food. We've got all these cottage products that are so good. And we sell some of those in our store here in Drew. But uh, there's a there's so many places you can go online and have them shipped right to your door. Because I know people from all over the U.S. listen to you guys. I mean, you can get that little taste of Mississippi anywhere.
5: You know, that's a great idea, Stafford. We should start <coughs> mentioning our small producers Maybe do one a week or or so, because there's so many, so many wonderful ones.
3: Yeah, I mean, how do you even start on one segment talking about these guys? Because there are so many of them, and they're struggling just like everybody else is with COVID. But most of them have an online presence, and there's a couple of places online where you can find all of them. And uh, and you can get that stuff shipped all over the world, really.
5: Well, I'm going to show my age here, but in the early days of my store, the Everyday Gourmet, we started reaching out, you know, and finding little products here and there. And one day, a uh, well as done with Dr. Virgil Culver from Mississippi State came to the store and said that they were, you know, sensing and noticing this growing cottage food movement and, you know, wanted... Us to help identify products that we knew, uh, and they were really the impetus for a lot of uh, a lot of the products of, of gathering everybody together, forming an association, and the Food and Fiber Center at Mississippi State. You know, helped a lot of people do you know, their testing. They were making them in their homes, and state would help with labeling and. Testing and, you know, how to put ingredients on it. So it's been very rewarding through the years to see how that industry has taken off. And I guess my favorite one from the Everyday Gourmet was the early days of the Mississippi Cheese Straw
3: Factory. I had a feeling you were going to, I don't know why I knew you were going to say that. And you know that (laughs) if there are people out there that make this kind of stuff, that place is still there in Mississippi State. And you can go in, and that help is free. I mean, you go in there, and they help. They put it on the shelf and give you a shelf life, and they help you with your labeling, which means you can sell it outside wholesale, which is great. You
5: know, Mississippi Cheese Straw, I remember the day that Mary Yerker walked in the store with a little plastic bag of cheese straws. And she was getting ready to retire from her job in the Yazoo City School System. And she gave us this little bag. she said, "Okay, if you've ever eaten a better cheese straw, I want to know about it." So yeah, she started as a cottage industry, and you know, became a national seller. they go to, They go to big shows all over the country. Yeah, she is no longer living, I believe, but her her sons still do it. so i I love to being a part of that story.
3: Probably yeah, my favorite product is uh, the the Hoover sauce down in Louise, Mississippi.
0: <laughs> I was just about uh, and, you know I'm say a typical that.
3: guy and I love to grill and it's so great. But you can do stir fry with it. It's such a versatile product.
5: And Hoover Lee just recently died. Is isn't that right, Stafford?
3: He passed away in July, I believe. But his sons and his daughter are carrying that tradition on as well so you can still you can go by the store there they still have the the uh lee grocery i think is the name of it in louise or you can order that online too and they ship it all over the world well and, it's uh, great
2: it's
0: here.
5: in grocery stores now yeah. before you had to go and you know go there and get it and you know he was really struggling with with labeling and all those issues that we just talked about so it's great it's, that it's more accessible to the public
3: Absolutely.
0: So Stafford, uh, you mentioned uh, the struggles with uh, COVID-19. And, um, you know, I know you own a restaurant and uh, I'd love to hear kind of how you're doing with that. I know. And you visit a lot of restaurants, uh, some in gas stations, some not. Just what do you see out there in terms of the overall struggle uh, with the COVID-19 on this historic day uh, today, the 14th day Of December, where the very first vaccines are being administered uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, in New York State, and in Ohio, this is indeed a monumental day.
3: It's it's a weird day because you've got the Electoral College voting, and then you've got the um, the vaccines being administered. And you know, as far and I don't know, Mississippi has probably survived this a little bit better as far as the restaurant industry goes. I mean, you look at some states like where they really had draconian-style lockdowns. And there are restaurants that will never come back. I think most of the restaurants that I know of in Mississippi have survived this. Um, and it's weird for us. You know, we had a lot of takeout this year. And what we did, we put everything in, whether you dine in with us at limited capacity or whatever, we've been putting everything in takeout. But we, we've actually done as well or better on our – Regular business, what where we've lost is the catering. You know, you don't have the large groups. We're not open at night. But the nighttime restaurants, they don't have those large groups anymore. The Christmas parties, that kind of stuff, that's what's really hurt for my business this year is the catering. And I, I know a lot of the finer dining restaurants that might have the 20, 30-people Christmas party in the side room, they, they can't do it. And that's where I hear a lot of my friends in the restaurant industry struggling. And that's a huge mm. part. You know, for us, it was over 50% of our business. It
0: just vanished. Yeah. Same, same with Hallamouse. We've, we've lost all of our party business and our catering. And, uh, you know, again, we're not alone, uh, but you're right. No. That is one of the areas where so many of us are hurting. Uh, you know, lunch business is okay. The problem in, in downtown Jackson, Sheridan, as you Probably hadn't thought about this is that only about thirty thirty five percent of the offices have been reoccupied. Most people are working from home, so that that beautiful you know lunch business that used to be almost automatic, a lot of that's gone now too. Yeah,
3: you know in the Delta, where you think about essential jobs, and I jokingly made this T-shirt to wear all summer that says essential farmer because I, I felt like you know really it wasn't farming is an essential job. And when you get to the Delta, our economy is such that the, the essential jobs are all we had left anyway. So mostly everybody was working. And I think that is kind of the opposite of what you're talking about, where most everything that we had left was already open. And our, our ag business actually did a lot better for whatever. I think people weren't going home for lunch and they weren't, you know what I mean? It was a lot of yeah. pick up and take to the farm kind of business. It's just It was just a weird year. I mean... We lost on one side; it picked up on the other. I mean, in the end, we're down, but it—it it was uh, not as bad as I really thought when this thing first broke out. I guess in March, I like—I didn't see, understand how we might survive it, but here we are.
0: Yeah. So we're going to put you on the spot before we let you go. We're going to ask you this question because you ought to know: What's the best fried chicken you've had on the road?
3: Yeah. You know, The worst fried chicken I had was pretty good, (laughs) 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 so I'm that kind of guy. I love all fried chicken. Uh, You know, it's it's so hard to choose. And the first time I came on with you guys, one of the recommendations was uh, in Tupelo King Chicken. That was right up there at the Mm -hmm. top. You know, it's really hard for me to get away from Jiffy Chicken. It's so good. And, you know, it's the place that I think about going back to a lot. And when I think about, like, what's my top five for just and, and I was working on my list yesterday, it's so hard to decide. You just, I've done 70 of these things. And, of course, yeah. we've done meatloaf yeah. and burgers and a lot of stuff, but probably out of 70, 35 of them were chicken, you know? And so it's choosing the best is really, really tough because there's a lot of good fried chicken in the state of Mississippi, let me tell you. Uh,
5: Stafford, remind us we're. Chippy Chicken is.
3: So they actually have four locations, and I've tried two of them. One of them is in Charleston, Mississippi. The other three are in Batesville. And um, for whatever reason, there's one in Batesville I like better than the one in Charleston. But they, it's so fresh, it's so busy, and I think that has a lot to do with how good the chicken is, that it's not just sitting under a heat lamp for four hours, you know. It was probably good when they cooked it, and now it's dry, but yeah, they they're turning over products so fast and I've been in there before and they're like, no, no, we're throwing this out. You can't, this is old. You know, they really take a lot of pride in what they're doing and, um, just, and always treat you so well when you go in there, they're really, really good people.
0: Stafford, we appreciate you uh, sharing your adventures and coming on the show on a regular basis and being our Delta correspondent. Another one of our correspondents, our Hill Country correspondent, Chico Harris, also recommend highly recommends King's Chicken in Tupelo. We Very appreciate good. your time. Thanks for coming on. Keep up Merry the good Christmas. work and Merry Christmas to you as well. Happy Hanukkah. It's time for a break here. And when we come back, we will welcome Dr. Marcy Cohen Ferris to the show. And she will talk about Hanukkah food traditions. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult. And yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere pack my gear and come out here till and Rosh Hashanah. I spend in Arizona and Yom Kippur way down in Mississippi. But in December, there's just one place for me. Amid the California flora, I'll be lighting my menorah like a baby in his cradle. I'll be playing with my dreidel, spending Hanukkah. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. We're dancing God, away I'll here virtually <laughs> uh, with our guest in the studio. And Carol, it's so much fun. As you know, throughout the eight days of Hanukkah, Jewish families celebrate in many ways, and of course, delicious food is one of the best ways to celebrate any holiday. holiday.
5: And to help us discuss Hanukkah Delights is one of our favorites, Dr. Marcy cohen Ferris and um, Malcolm. She is a scholar, an author, a teacher, and she is our friend.
0: Isn't that beautiful?
5: Isn't that beautiful? Professor Emeritus in the Department of American Studies at the University of North Carolina. Hey, Marcy. Hey, Carol.
1: And I'm I'm a Southern Jew. <laughs> a Southern Jew uh, yeah, from <laughs> Arkansas. From Arkansas. <laughs> so I can, I can speak to my, my own experience. Again, this, this is one of those holidays, classic Jewish holidays where this is irreverent, but you know, Jews sometimes whisper, yeah, they say, you know, we say a little prayer. They tried to kill us. Let's eat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. And what are some of the specialties that will be on your Hanukkah table this holiday?
1: Well, you know, it's all about oil, Mm. olive oil, and it's about frying. So that's not too hard in the Jewish South. You know, that that works for us. And the reason, you guys might have, you know, know this already, the, the reason that it's all about oil is because the holiday really commemorates the rededication during the second century BC of the second temple in Jerusalem, where the Jews had risen up against their Greek Syrian oppressors in um, what was the Maccabean Revolt, and there's a miracle that happens. There's a small quantity of oil left because the synagogue had been desecrated, and so they're re-ded- the Jews were rededicating that synagogue. There was only enough oil for this important light that's always kept lit uh, to last a day, and it lasted eight days. So that's a miracle. So it's a beautiful holiday, or you know, to to commemorate light. And that's important this time of year for all of us, but also for miracles. And we need that now more than ever. You know, oh so wow. uh, Gosh. I think, you know, Konica is really special this year because I, I don't know, I got all weepy this morning watching what's going on in Michigan as those as those uh, trucks and UPS drivers headed out of that Pfizer plant. There's There's a miracle happening as yeah. it's as that vaccines moving into communities but that's all about light and oil so you have just simply lots of things anything that you prefer in your region of the country or from your jewish tradition depending on where your people come from you know whether you're sephardic or ashkenazic you know from eastern europe or central europe or you're you know from israel you fry those things that you know are a part of your tradition but latkes are very traditional potato mm-hmm. pancakes
0: and the fried jelly donut.
1: delicious. And, <laughs> and I think that, <laughs> that, really works, that really works for southerners. I know it works for Mississippians. Uh, I think they're called sufganiyot or yot. Sufganiyot in the, uh, is in, in in Israel. Yeah, so jelly donuts, those are that's a great thing to have for a dessert or just a you know, you're a fried little fritter of some, some. you know, maybe an apple fritter, something like that would be delicious.
5: Marcy, last week on the show, we had uh, a mutual friend. We had April McGregor <laughs> on the show. We were talking about sweet potatoes as usual. I know you're not surprised about that, but yeah. tell us about a sweet potato lucky. Would that, that be, is, it, it be just the most
1: southern thing you can imagine? Oh, it it is, and it's delicious. It's such a good way to do it. I I really like sweet potato latkes better than, than, than plain latkes. And you can add other things as well. You know, you could add spinach and parsnips and carrots, and lots of people do many different latkes at, at once. But I think the sweet potato latke is the best. And since everybody can run right to county line packing there and You know, in uh, Houston, Mississippi and get the best potato, sweet potatoes from from April's brother, Preston. Um, It's a great way to do it. And it just I think they're a little crisper and sweeter, of course. And uh, they're just beautiful in color. And and that's really nice. Just their color and their texture and their taste. And, um, you know, you could do even beyond a latke, you could do like a fried, a sweet potato fry, you know, Mm -hmm. like. And um, that's really nice. And you can bake those. You know, I often just cut up yeah. sweet potatoes and put a little little olive oil on them and little salt and pepper and put them on a on a on a cookie tray and do them at a higher heat, like 450 or something. And that would be delicious with, you know, it's not kosher but catfish,
2: <laughs> catfish,
1: <laughs> a little catfish. You know, you can have a little fried fish or you can have a roasted fish. It just depends on how how bad, how much you want to sin. But all of these things, all of these things work. I think a fried or roasted fish served like sweet potato fries, you know, would be delicious.
0: Well, it is the holiday time and often that means gift giving. And we'd like to remind our listeners that Marcy has two books that would make great gifts. Uh, one is called Matzo Ball Gumbo and the other one is The Edible South. And I'm certain knowing that She's a creative person. There's probably a project uh, in the works. Is that right?
1: There is. I'm I'm working on a book, which I'm just about to wrap up, and an editor for a collection of wonderful essays on the contemporary food movement in North Carolina. And that's also called Edible North Carolina, A Journey Across a State of Flavor. And uh, April is writing one of the essays for that.
0: There are 50 states and six territories, so I imagine that you're pretty tied up for the future.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm. I'll get on that.
0: Well, Mississippi needs one.
1: Yeah, well, I know we do, and y'all, I don't want to leave out like a very traditional uh, entree that lots of uh, lots of American Jews prepare and lots of my Southern Jewish friends prepare, and that's brisket as Mm. as the entree so that works so well i think for mississippi as well like kind of a barbecue brisket you know just like however you know that famous mississippi brisket recipe that was in the new york times that you can do in a slow cooker too well
5: i i knew that brisket was a traditional hanukkah dish but i had no idea that we could count barbecue brisket
0: sure oh yeah It's one of the famous dishes uh, at the uh, Old Time Deli. Irv always had the barbecued brisket on the menu. I would get it with uh, potato salad and deviled eggs.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. And uh, Eli Evans, in his great um, story of the Jewish South, talks about, you know, the the African-American woman who cooked for their family uh, and— Zelda, I can't remember her last name. I think, and she made a wonderful brisket, and the secret ingredient was Coca-Cola. Oh, sandwiches! Oh, what what is Kugel? So Kugel is like a noodle pudding, hmm. and it's it's very uh, Central European, and it's delicious. It is just straight out delicious. So it's a great side dish. And you can make it savory. You can make it sweet. So you can use egg noodles, uh, make an egg custard for it that binds it together, and then add lots of things to uh, enrich it. You know, little dollops of, of, of jam uh, to make it very Americanized. You crunch up some cornflakes on top, you know, mm-hmm. before you pop it in, in into the oven. But you can do a a savory potato kugel as well. You don't have to use egg noodles and. So, make many a couple of restaurants around here. Plum in Durham, the Lantern here in Chapel Hill, they've been doing a wonderful Hanukkah special, you know, menu for for this time of year. And they, I think, many of them have made a potato uh, kugel, which is
5: delicious. Delicious. Well, Marcy, I know that Hanukkah is a time for gathering, and uh, this is a very different year. So, uh, talk
1: a little bit about that. Yeah, we, we, it's just not happening. <laughs> so we we just are a lot. We're on Zoom a lot with our family, uh, with our kids who live not too far away. We're on Zoom with them every day. I talk to my mother on FaceTime every day, and uh, and you know, so we we you can see my little menorahs all lit up here. So we're just trying to share the light online. Ah, well, I could see. And, uh, I, I
5: wish that others could see the menorah that we can see uh, on because it is truly a southern menorah. So tell us about, about it.
1: I think it's kind of a 1950s electric menorah <laughs> that has Christmas lights for the lights, for the flames.
0: That's amazing. Which,
1: which is great for me because. You know, growing up in lyville arkansas i just I just sat at my window and just stared out at Christmas lights, like <laughs> I love them so so because we didn't have them and and so this gives me my little christmas light well where, where does one get
5: a southern menorah?
1: Well, they're available online, you know and uh and and there are many unattractive versions. <laughs> <laughs> they're well, many, not all
0: beautiful like yours
1: <laughs> n- many no they are not and i just want to tell people don't 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 put your menorah on some people you know i know people use real menorahs with real candles but they just mess up the look when they put it on some tacky aluminum foil looks mm. bad
5: yeah uh, Marcy, I know that you follow our Facebook page, Cooking and Coping. I've, I've seen you like it, like some things, and comment on some that. things. But I found something. If I had known weeks ago that we would be seeing each other and talking to each other via Skype, I would have had a Chris uh, a Hanukkah present for you because one of our posters on Cooking and Coping from the she's from the Pacific Northwest um actually had a little session on making lotkeys and she had a Lotkey spatula and it was a you know long pie shaped spatula with the word Lotkey you know carved uh, you, you carved out of it so you could you know you could read it and I thought what Marcy really would love
1: that i love that i love a i love the latke artifact
5: yeah and this woman's name is is rachel bell cranfer and she's somewhere uh in the pacific northwest or northern california and you should look her up on the site sometime because she does uh wonderful jewish food and has a lot of commentary uh, you know uh, that, uh, that reminds uh, reminds me of you. Very
1: cheeky, I will. sassy. I will. I will. And y'all, you know uh, Zingerman's. You know the great Zingerman's in Delhi and in uh, in in Michigan and Ann Arbor. Um, it Ari was telling me Ari Wein Weins- who owns it and is one of the co owners and founders of it said they're doing they always do a wonderful Hanukkah menu at their roadhouse restaurant and they were serving buttermilk fried chicken, you know, as one of their entrees, which makes complete sense. I love that. That's a great Southern uh, Jewish Hanukkah meal.
5: Well, I love it that uh, Ari has been such an active uh, active member of the Southern Foodways Alliance. And he's taken a lot of the food he's learned down here back to Ann Arbor, Michigan into the world because people all over know about Zingerman's and Ari. He
1: has, he has, and you know the. I'm so thankful. You know, like Malcolm asked, how do how do you how you celebrate in these days when we're all isolating? And you know, thank goodness for our food entrepreneurs and restaurants and businesses like Zingerman's, which you can get online and order. Uh, that food and those, t- those, lots of lots of wonderful Jewish baked goods from Zingerman's, uh, and of course many other bakeries all around our region. But you know they've got a fabulous, um, you know, uh, rugula and a Jewish coffee cake that I love. And you know, there's just just nothing uh, a babka, which is a beautiful, uh, ke- you know, um, kind of a bread breadish cake, you know, yeast risen dough that you can weave chocolate into. And it's just fabulous.
0: Mm. When I was a child, we used to take leftover rice. Uh, we, mostly my grandmother, and she would work some chopped tomatoes and a little onion into it. And and the rice would turn sort of pinkish colored. And I'm wondering, and I'm taking a shot in the dark here, if that has anything to do with the what you would know as traditional pink rice.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was about to say it sounds exactly like pink rice, which is um, a Sephardic dish, you know, made by families. And when I interviewed folks in um, Montgomery, they talked about uh, making pink rice, which is just rice. It's, you know, turns that nice little pink tinge with tomatoes. Sounds Mm. delicious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was and is that considered a, a Hanukkah dish?
1: The pink rice? No, not so much, not so much. But you know, if you did a a, a, a fried rice, but you know, pancake that would be yeah, yeah. Got to fry
0: it. You got to have oil. Got to fry. You got
1: you to gotta have oil. <laughs> Bill's mom, uh, Shelby, always did uh, fried uh, rice uh, pancakes with using leftover rice from from supper before the evening before, and they're delicious.
5: Yeah, a lot of cultures have a version of of pink rice. And I know uh, in Portugal and the Iberian Peninsula they do, uh, you know, tomato rice. Um, and I was also thinking of the Italian rice balls, the arancini. Oh, those
1: those would be a great Hanukkah. Yeah,
5: she could make pink right. arancini, fried little footballs, oval size rice balls. Those are delicious.
1: Yeah, those are are, are delicious. Those are delicious. But we usually had at our our home when I was growing up, when I was a little girl, we usually had, you know, one festive meal on the very first night of Hanukkah. And that was usually brisket and probably like, you know, green beans or something like that. Some, you know, or frozen peas. And then uh, the latkes. My mom would make latkes and or like a, a, a kugel she was really more of a kugel kind of person she didn't fry so much in oil but that was delicious and it's just a really eastern european even though it's rift and southern for us the way we're describing it it's a very kind of eastern european meal um, for this time of year and really really satisfying and then you run into the living room or wherever you've got your your, your, your presence for Hanukkah for the first night or for the eight nights that follow. And with your parents screaming at you the entire time, it's a minor Jewish holiday. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, you know, what,
5: <laughs> and what is, you know, what
2: Christmas. Christmas. <laughs>
5: Oh. oh. <laughs> thought-
0: so Marcy, uh, during Hanukkah, get, you open presents, the- you open presents on multiple days.
1: It depends on the family's tradition that oh, it's a, a lot of, you know, kids would always be like, you, you, you Jewish people are so lucky because you get presents for eight days. But usually, you know, you just, the, 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 the tradition was to give a child a little treat on each day, but we didn't do it that way. We, we got a little, a little, a nice little Hanukkah gathering on the, on the first night. And then my parents were like, that's it.
5: uh <laughs>
1: Well, is, done.
5: The, is the level of cooking, does that go on all eight days or is
1: the first night the big night and then it kind of falls off from there? I, I think it's like that pretty much. Although I do lots of families, I hear even within our own extended uh, Ferris family, you know, uh, Hester in Texas and Martha Ferris up in New York State, they're making uh, potato latkes too. So, you know, you kind of make them throughout the week and, you know, it's just a a festive way, especially now, to kind of celebrate. And, and I, I do find the, the ritual each of these nights of Hanukkah, because I think tonight's the sixth night of lighting those candles or of turning, on my, <laughs> turning on my electric menorah. Although I do light two candles along with the menorah. One is of Dr. Fauci and one is of RBG they live my little camp and they're guarding our health. that that's really special uh, right now for us you know in this time where we we need miracles
0: and Marcy how different is the southern Jewish culinary experience from say the rest of the country uh, the American uh, Jewish experience well
1: that that's a good question you know it, it's I think it kind of just goes to the larger question of how different is is the southern culinary experience from you know the rest of the nation, and and y'all know as how, as well as I do of of what that means. You know, we just have a very very distinctive strong food voice in our region, and I would argue it's the strongest food voice really in the nation because of its historic kind of you know roots in of uh, native american voices of african american voice of african voices and of the european voices and then many other cultures since that those those earliest days of 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 this nation but the i think the southern jewish food experience is is pretty unique you know but, but again it depends upon how your own family, what your own family story is, where your, what your country of origin is, whether y'all, you know, you have European roots or Eastern European roots, like my family. My grandparents came from the Ukraine and from Belarus um, and, uh, you know, Odessa and uh, Minsk. And so those are our, our food traditions, but of course, those traditions, those those culinary traditions that are associated with Eastern European Jewish uh, experience, got mixed up with northeastern Arkansas flavors and also the expertise of Richie Lee King, an amazing African American woman who worked for our family, but you know didn't really cook for our family, but did make fried chicken <laughs> on, the occasional, on the occasional Shabbat. Friday night. And um, so you, you get that, that mix of the talent, of the intellect of of, of African American cooks, but that, that that play into Jewish cuisine in the American South. And that's really, really significant. But Southern Jewish cooks also incorporated the flavors, the foods, the ingredients, the spices of the places they live like Charleston and Savannah and new Orleans and up and down the lower Mississippi river river as well.
0: Well, Marcy, thank you so much for joining us. Once again, we appreciate you tell Dr. Bill hello for us and your whole family and happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah and happy bless Hanukkah
1: you to y'all.
0: Thanks so much. Happy, Deep South. Happy
1: holidays. Y'all stay safe.
0: Okay. Thanks. You too. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. It is funded by generous contributions from folks just like yourself. Our show is produced by the one and only Java Chapman. From my co-host Carol Puckett and our guests Stafford Sheridan, the judge, and Marcy cohen ferris the doctor. I'm Malcolm White. Stay tuned now for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11, and join us every Monday at 9 a.m. right here for Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio.